This is Clutch Fans. And by the way, shout out to the Clutch fans. You're listening to the Clutch Fans Podcast, an open conversation for Houston Rockets diehards. Houston Rockets is unbeatable. I'm ready to get on Clutch Fans. Now, here's your host, the man who would have drafted Harold Miner over Robert Ory, Dave Hardesty. Welcome into the podcast. We are here at a somber, nearly vacant Toyota Center after a Game 7 loss for the Houston Rockets, a 101-92 loss, uh, a game that I think Rocket fans will remember for a long, long time, unfortunately, and not in a good way, a very painful loss simply because there was so much on the line and so much history to be to be made with a win here, and the Rockets played extremely well as far as the effort, the defensive energy in the first half, and things fell apart. I am here with my great friend MK Bauer. We've been doing a podcast after every home game uh, this season. You can follow him at Moisekapenda on Twitter. Uh, MK, this um, I, as a Rocket fan, I've mentioned to you before. I don't take the losses quite as hard as I used to, when, you know, as I did when I was younger or even in my college days. And this felt like a college day sucker punch. I think primarily because it was a mirror of Game Six. And for those who were watching on television, Game Six, you felt the excitement kind of build as they they grabbed that 17 point lead, and they were without Chris Paul. And you're thinking, can they really do this? Is it possible to win a game in Oracle without without Chris Paul? And then everything just fell apart. In the third quarter, I mean, the Warriors had done it all season, so that wasn't a surprise, but the Rockets only scored 25 points in the second half, and that game was a gut punch. And then they kind of watched the same thing unfold tonight. Uh, the, the defensive effort, the work on the glass, the, the pursuit of 50-50 balls in the first half, it was extraordinary. I mean, the effort level from the Rockets was through the roof. They have an 11-point lead at the break, and then they open that, sec- that third quarter 3-for-16, 0 for 14 on threes. They finish the period, and Golden State just shoots the lights out and score, outscoring them 33 to 15. It was a replay of Game Six, and it felt the exact same way in terms of how can they let this happen? How did they run out of juice? How is it possible that they can't find a way to stem these ties in the third quarter when they know they're going to come? I think it's one thing to be surprised by it, but to the earlier point I made, the Warriors have been doing this for quite a while now. They come out and lead the league in third quarter scoring all season. So if you know it's going to come, you have to position yourself either mentally or physically or both to kind of prepare yourself for a rally. And they just didn't seem able to do that. So I think from a Rockets fan perspective, to see them fall apart in the third quarter again, to go 0 for 14 in that period while Steph Curry and, and Kevin Durant are just shooting the lights out from three, it, it was difficult to stomach, I'm sure. And I understand why people feel very disappointed to get this close to play this great for the entire season. I think that's one thing that kind of stuck with me watching James Harden speak. It's such a long season. It really is. And they played so well for so long, and again, right to the finish line, and not have Chris Paul his last two games. Yes. It must be just demoralizing to lose it this way. You know, we talked about it after Game 5. It was here at Toyota Center, and I, you know, <laughs> so many things could have happened, but this is the worst-case scenario that I think every Rocket fan feared the moment with 22 seconds left in Game 5. 
Chris Paul pulled up lame, that he will not be able to play the rest of the series and that it would come back to bite the Rockets. I thought it, it could very well be two blowouts. I, I, this is this game, Game 7, well, to me, I'm 100% convinced if Chris Paul was out there, they'd win this game. Now, obviously, that's just speculating. But I look at what happened, what unfolded tonight with the way the Rockets shot three-pointers. They could have used a guy to mix it up on offense, especially. And I think some of those live ball turnovers, I mean, Harden had, I believe, five turnovers tonight. Some of them were just awful, just sort of unforced errors that got the Warriors out running. But flat out, the reason they lost this game, 27 straight missed three-pointers. Never seen anything like it. Never will. See it again. Yeah, I, I highly doubt everyone. You would think out of 27 attempted three-pointers by our professional basketball players, one or two would accidentally go in. And let's not kid ourselves. Those weren't all consistent shots. They had a lot of wide-open looks that they missed, and Golden State ran out after those misses. Look, um, to your point about Chris, Paul, the Rockets' balance offensively this season was was bolstered by Paul's ability to score in a mid, mid-range. And, and I think those moments where they couldn't get the flow working from the perimeter, Chris bolstered them by getting baskets in the mid-range and not having him here these last two games destroyed them. And I made this point to someone um, a couple days ago after, I guess, the Rockets lost game six. To me, what made their offense work so well was their three-headed attack in, in the backcourt with Paul Harden and Eric Gordon. And you take out one-third of those three, that three-headed attack, it puts so much pressure on the other two guys to perform. And look what happened. The last two games, Paul and Gordon combined for 20 turnovers. And I'm not Paul. Gordon and Harden combined for 20 turnovers and shot 27.9% from three-point range. I guarantee you, with Chris Paul there, those numbers are different. And not having him around to work as a valve, a pressure valve, off of Harden primarily, but then off of Gordon as well, it completely changes the context of how these guys perform and how the team performs at large. And you saw it the last two nights. And to your point about you feel confident they win Game 7 if Chris Paul's here, they could have won Game 6 if Chris Paul was there because Chris right. Paul's not going to let things fall apart like they did in the third quarter the of that turnovers game. turnovers were yeah, out of control. Yeah, it, it was six. completely bananas. So... I'm not really one for the what-if game and, and what could have happened, but it's pretty clear they're a completely different team without Chris Paul out there. And it's, again, devastating for this fandom, for him, I'm sure, individually, for the Rockets as a team to get this close to the finish line, to see the mountaintop, so to speak, and to lose one of your most important players and have to fight that fight without him. And I know James Harden tried to talk around it tonight and said it wasn't really that big of a deal and they were prepared to play. But they fell apart in two consecutive second halves, and that was because Chris Paul wasn't there. Oh, you know, they go one for 21 from three-point range in the second half. That the lone, unbelievable. It, it really is. The lone uh, made uh, three-pointer was uh, P.J. Tucker's shot uh, open one late in the fourth. I believe it was in the fourth uh, out of the corner. something like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and um, that's the only one they made in the second half. Uh, you know, Trevor Ariza going into free agency 0 for 12 from the field, 0 for 9 from three-point range. And James Harden, 2-for-13 from three-point range, started the game 2-for-2 two two in the first quarter from three-point range, missed his last 11. Eric Gordon, 2-for-12. You know, MK, they shot 15.9% from three-point range. If they shoot 25%, they win this game. I mean, that's that the boggles the mind. We, we sort of, you know, we talked after uh, games four, games five, how... Uh, you know, the Rockets shot 30%-ish, 30, 31% from three-point range, and we marveled how they were able to win it all. Yeah. And here we are, they truly tested that, uh, you know, put that uh, poor shooting to the test. 
I will say, if you're going to look for positives, the Rockets' defensive effort and the way they played defense against, again, arguably the greatest offensive team ever. Uh, I think the Rockets threatened that that title, at least uh, per offensive rating. Uh, but the Warriors, I believe, edged them this year in, in offensive rating. Um, they were fantastic. The defensive effort tonight, I still think P.J. Tucker uh, really impressed me more than anybody in this series. Um, I, the Rockets relied on him against uh, some of the smaller lineups that the Warriors rolled out more than anybody. Uh, he cramped up at the end of this game. This guy playing 40-plus minutes uh, pretty much every game in the series, certainly the last several games. Uh, I, I think it's not just the Chris Paul injury. I think um, Ryan Anderson playing minutes in the third quarter, uh, I thought that got away from the Rockets. I think he was a negative 12. Negative 12 in this game in, in eight minutes. And that's a, that's yeah, remarkable. Uh, yeah. It really is. And he got switched constantly onto, onto Steph Curry, and Curry burned him. I think it was the, the third quarter. And I think, you know, we, you and I talked during the game. I marvel at this because Ryan Anderson did not shoot the ball once. You put Ryan Anderson out there. So that you have an offensive advantage, you spread the floor, he can take some shots. He has been, I, I don't think I'll ever understand how somebody has completely caved in as Ryan Anderson did the second half of the season. I think if there's a yin and a yang on this team, it was the way Clint Capella developed this year and the way Ryan Anderson regressed this year. He became, he went from being a, a valuable contributor to this team to an absolute zero to, on this team. And that was remarkable. Like, we'll take some time, I'm sure both of us individually. To kind of think about the season at large and some of the things that unfolded, one thing that stands out to me is how Ryan Anderson has completely disappeared off this roster and became a nothing player, and they still owe him a ton of money yeah. moving forward for a guy who I don't know if his confidence is completely broken or what's going on between his head or between his ears, but it's pretty clear he has nothing to give this team at this very moment, and that's shocking. It was weird to see him play tonight. It was strange to see Joe Johnson get early minutes. The desperation of a game seven was out there for everyone to witness. And Mike D'Antoni was just throwing anything against the wall to see what could stick. Because I think to an extent he realized he couldn't play six guys. Like, it wasn't going to work. Like, uh, the, the moves he was making tonight were mitigating, were mitigating the issue that happened in game six where everybody just completely fell apart from fatigue. And he was trying to steal minutes here and there from guys. And even that didn't work because you're stealing minutes with guys who didn't play. But you know, I don't mean to interrupt, but does this, did it surprise you? That, I think you're exactly right that he tried to get some minutes and, and give the guys a little bit of rest. Does it surprise you that he played Joe Johnson and Ryan Anderson and not Mabah Mute? That shows you how far Luke has gone. Like, right? like, there's something clearly wrong with him physically to, for it to get to the point where they're not even playing him in moments of desperation. Like, it makes way more sense in theory, to play Luke Baumute ahead of Joe Johnson and Ryan Anderson. And the fact that D'Antoni didn't speaks volumes about why he didn't play him and what's going on behind the scenes with that particular player. That injury at the very end of the year proved to be extremely damaging. And it's kind of interesting. Like We didn't really think about that. Like As the season's kind of coming to a close, and you look at the Rockets closing on 65 wins, you think about all the things that could have been with this team, how well they were playing defensively, the depth of the defensive talent, Chris Paul, P.J. Tucker, Trevor Ariza, Baumute, Clint Capella. You didn't realize how important Luke was in all of that and how it changes the entire landscape of their defense, their rotations. Even some of the components he added to the team offensively with his, with his corner three-point shooting, it all disappeared. And it's weird because in the moment you didn't think about it like that. You, you thought about, well, hopefully he comes back and adds something to this team. But he was important. 
uh, you didn't see how important he was until they got to the series, and there were certain guys on the team who couldn't play because of the matchups, and they couldn't play. Ryan Anderson couldn't play. Joe Johnson wasn't going to play anyway, but your, your rotation got shrunk so much because of the matchup, particularly Luke would have played if he was healthy. He would have been valuable if he was healthy, and the fact that he wasn't healthy completely changed the course of the series for the Rockets. Yeah, we talked before about how depth was a big reason, I think, People thought the Rockets, Rockets could knock off the Warriors. Uh, that depth shriveled down to nothing with the Chris Paul injury, Luke Mbamute becoming a zero, and and really finding nothing out of Anderson and, and, and Joe Johnson, just you know rolling the dice a little bit at the end. Gerald Green was a mixed bag. Uh, didn't necessarily have, I mean, didn't shoot well certainly tonight, but uh, was a, was a plus ten in twenty minutes. Uh, it's it, this is something I think it's going to be really tough for the Rockets to swallow. They built this team to beat Golden State. I think they proved they can compete with them, if not beat them. I mean, they were five and two this year against the Warriors when Paul and and uh, Harden were both healthy and playing, and zero and three when one of those guys was out. So I think that's going to sting. But I think it's just knowing what was next. LeBron James and the Cavaliers were waiting. Obviously, you, you play an NBA series, and anyone can win, but. The Rockets would be would have been over. I don't want to say overwhelming favorites yeah, without Paul, favor, yeah. you know, with a grade two hamstring strain. But they would have been favorites. They would have been uh, host that series at home. And now the NBA. I think. I think uh, we talked about it before. I think fans rally a little bit about around the Rockets because they don't want to see Cleveland and Golden State go for a fourth straight time. What do the Rockets do from here? I mean, right now they're they're just picking up the ashes and, and, and the pieces and trying to, you know, I, I, we saw in the locker room the devastation right now. I mean, Gerald Green was crushed. Trevor Ariza was visibly upset. It looked to me like he was holding back tears. Uh, I think it's it stings these guys because they know how close they were. There's so much that the, the team has to do. I mean, we know Chris Paul's a free agent. Very tough decision there. Clint Capella's a restricted free agent. I assume they're going to match that. And Ariza, Mute, those guys are free agents. But what does this team have to do outside of, say, bringing the majority of you know, the core back to, to get over that hump next season? Honestly, Dave, I feel like this is a one-year window with this team. And Meaning it, it just closed? I think it just closed because I think there's so many components that need to be addressed, and I don't think they can address them all, A, and B, the team is a little bit older. Like, there's no room for growth with this team in terms of youth, the younger players adding something to, to the mix, helping continue to, to, to build this team moving forward. It's an old team. Do you believe that they need to bring Paul back? And you and I have discussed this a lot. I, I think they're between a rock and a hard place. And I love Chris Paul. I, I think his his determination, his leadership, his, his his verve really provided something to this team that maybe a lot of people didn't anticipate beyond the scoring and the passing and the defense. He added a, a, an element that was missing, a, a toughness that P.J. And, and, and Luke Bamute added as well. But Chris was the leader of this team. And they needed that. I don't know how you commit five years if that's going to be the, the, the total yeah. to a guy who has a history of breaking down physically who's already 33 years old. I would not want to have to make that decision. No. I think it's, I think out of all the tough decisions that are facing them, that is by far the toughest because you want that element on your team. You can't afford to pay for that element for five years given his injury history and just where he is physically at this stage of his career. He's not going to be the same player three years from now. He's just not. He may not be the same player the year after the next. So I don't know how you commit to that. And I don't think him alone keeps the window open. Again, I think this season may have been a perfect storm of everything going right for the Rockets to win 65 games, to get home court advantage over the Warriors, to be where they were as the number one seed in the West, really in the the entire league. It was the perfect storm. I don't know if you can recapture that again. I think so many things went right, 
in terms of Luke, in terms of PJ, in terms of Chris Paul, in terms of Clint Capel developing, in terms of James Harden having an MVP season. I think everything went right other than injuries. And I've said this before, even if they were healthy, they wouldn't have won 68 games. And let's be realistic. It doesn't really matter that much because they were so good. I don't know if they captured us again. I think it was yeah. a one-year wonder, an incredible wonder, but it's a one-year wonder. And I'm kind of concerned that the window may have closed on this particular iteration of the Rockets, and they have to really address what they're going to be moving forward. And it's a copycat league. Watch how many teams start switching. Mm-hmm. And watch how uh, the bigs start to phase out a little bit more in this in this league. And you're going to start to see more P.J. Tuckers and Draymond Greens and guys, you know, just big, bruising, uh, physical Forwards, big. I'm talking about just sort of the thick guys, as they like to say. Uh, just guys who can get out and run, and, and more small ball lineups. So, are, you know, are the Rockets going to be unique? I mean, they're going to have to constantly innovate. I think it, you, you're kind of crossing your fingers a little bit here and hoping you're getting Paul on a three or four year deal. I don't think I agree with you. You cannot give Chris Paul a five year deal. But I think Chris Paul this year, even with the injuries, is worth the max. I know that's that's a tough. Uh, Thing to say, I think he's worth the max. At least I'm talking about in, in a one in a single year salary. Um, but it's it's not an easy decision. We we uh, commented with David Weiner on an earlier podcast. Uh, I think Les Alexander sold at the right time, knowing that this financial commitment to Paul was coming up, and at a time at just at, at a time when the guard it's very difficult to commit that kind of money to guards. I think you got to bring Capella back. I think you, you you do bring Paul back, and you roll with those three, and probably PJ Tucker, and then from there you're going to have to get creative. You're going to have to say this is our core, and now we, if you want to win a championship, come to us. You know, can you? I don't know if you can overpay for Trevor Ariza as as valuable as he is uh, to the team. Dave, you went over twelve tonight. Like, yeah, I, I don't want one game to kind of represent a player in totality, but he went over twelve in a game seven. And he has a ring. Like, he's the one guy that you would think could, you know, be a rock for this team in this situation. And he was over 12. And his game is so limited. He can't beat anybody off the dribble. His free throw shooting was really erratic in the second half. Like, the, again, there are commitment levels here that you have to be concerned about. And, I, I, again, I'm not there more. How do you balance it with how smart he is defensively? Yeah, and, yeah. and, you know what I'm saying, like, and knowing that system inside but and out. But to my earlier point, there's erosion there. Like, he's an older player. Yes. And he's played really yes. hard for many, many years. Tough to And see. he's not the same peak defensive player that he was three years ago. So I think, again, the guys you're looking at as being the core of this team, there are only two of them in their 20s, and that's James Harden and Clint Capella. Yeah. Everybody else is on the wrong side of 30. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do in terms of re- get being creative, as you said, and rebuilding around that core. Because two members of your core, if you're talking about Tucker and, and, and Paul being your core, are on the wrong side of 30. And Trevor's on the wrong side of 30. And Luke's on the wrong side of 30. And uh, clearly Nene and Joe John. They, um, it's a lot of thir- Joe Green. It's a lot of thirty-plus guys. Ryan Anderson, yeah. Eric Gordon's knocking on their door at thirty. That's an older team, and they don't have much in the way of trade assets. I and mean, they, they don't, don't have much yeah. in the way of, of draft pro- draft prospects. No, yeah, no, yeah. not at all. They're kind of pinned into a corner in terms of what they're going to do next, with only two young guys on this team who have a value and Harden and, and Capella. They're in a tough spot, and I don't know how they wiggle forward to still be at this incredible peak level that they reached this season to be back here this day six year challenging the Warriors again, who by and large are a very young team. You know, obviously, starting at the top, the things that they will try, like the Rockets always do, is, is, is try to add stars, and they're very thin possibility, but as most people know, they'll want to go after LeBron. Where LeBron goes is completely up to LeBron. That's his decision. It's a, it's a complicated deal where he'd have to opt in to his, to his deal with the Cavaliers, and the Rockets would have to work out a trade, and that could possibly make it uh, so that they could 
you know, get very creative and include future first-round picks to unload Anderson and, and acquire LeBron. But that's the low percentage uh, possibility. After that, it's like you said, it gets to be some big question marks. I think the team they've got a good core, but you, like you said, it, it's aging. Um, they've got some key guys that are. You know, once you commit long term to them, you, you run the risk of having another Anderson on your team. Yeah. Um, and so it's it's you know Daryl Morey's going to be obviously working the phones because I think he's got a team here where I think some players in the league will want to join this. You know, maybe get an opportunity. But like you said, the window's not as big as I think maybe some people assume. I'll say this: when I look at other teams in the West, and strictly speaking of the West. There aren't a ton of contenders that are going to be on the same level with the Rockets moving forward if the Rockets keep their core in place. All the great young teams moving forward in these, Philadelphia, Boston primarily. So that works in their favor. There's Golden State, and there's still a gap between Golden State and everybody else. I think the Rockets clearly prove they can close that gap. I think the one thing that stuck out to me in this series, I picked the Warriors winning six. The Rockets pushed it to seven, playing two games without Chris Paul. That really impressed the heck out of me. Now, again, if we're going to talk about keeping the core in place, they're right there. Can they get beyond where they are? I don't know. But at least there's nobody else in the West that's really ready to, to land an Acapulco on Rockets in terms of being the second-best team in the West. It's not going to be Utah. It's not going to be a Clippers. It's not going to be Denver. I don't think it's going to be New Orleans either. So I think there's a bit of a gap between the Rockets and everybody else in terms of chasing the Warriors. That helps out West. But, again, they have some very difficult decisions to make. Well, it's going to be a long summer, man. It's uh, it was a fun season, dude. That's for sure. We had a lot to to, to discuss this year and uh, 65 wins. I, I don't think it's quite like last year when they lost to the Spurs, and we were talking about how just uh, just you know something I think that that hung over Harden, even though Harden didn't shoot well and, and like I said, missed his last 11 three point shots tonight. Um, I think the Rockets, you know, losing Chris Paul, they were sort of. Uh, I think they, they, they gained a lot of respect, I think, in this series as opposed to last year where they lost a lot. I mean, they, they missed a ton of three-point shots, no question. And it was offensively a very poor game, but I think the defensive effort was there tonight. This wasn't quite anything like game six of the Spurs last season. So that's something that's a little bit of a positive, but it's just a painful year for the, for the sense of really, you know, any other season they, they win it all. And I think if, if not for that injury, they, they do it just the same this year. So... Uh, they'll have a lot to, to, to talk about this summer. We'll have the draft coming up in, in about a month, and we'll we'll see what, how they go from there. Yeah, again, looking at James Harden's face, and I'll, I'll leave it at this. Like, He's not a guy that really showcases a ton of emotion, but there was an energy about him tonight that kind of was resignation. Like, we got really, really close and still can get over the hump. But someone asked him about that, and he didn't answer the question directly. He was kind of very vague in how he answered the question. But it, it must be tough for him in particular to have an MVP caliber season, to play with someone that he respects and plays well with after all the doubts about their ability to play together and have everything fall in place like it did this season and to get right there at that door, to be banging on that door and to have it not open. And to your point, to be one step away from a finals match matchup that really would have favored them. Like They were very, 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 very close to winning a championship here in Houston. And I don't know if they're going to ever get that close again, not with this, this particular team. And that has to be devastating to do with. You know, before I let you go, one last question I meant to ask. A lot of people talked about the officiating in this game. I'm, I'm not saying in any way that they lost this game because of that, but what did you think of it? They do fall, the Rockets fall to 0-6 in the last two playoffs in games that Scott Foster officiated, 17-5 and when he didn't uh, officiate. Did you think that played a role tonight? I think there are a lot of people that I follow on Twitter who offer intelligent analysis of basketball. And there were a ton of people who discussed the officiating in this series as a whole as being very, very poor. 
And I think the NBA, if they're going to look at this as a showcase series, and clearly it was, we all were very excited about the Rockets and the Warriors, basically from the midpoint of the season moving forward, you can't have this number of people discussing how poorly the, the series was officiated and just kind of gloss over it. I think they will address whatever needs to be addressed in terms of how the game is officiated, being more consistent with foul calls. Tonight in particular, like nothing was called inside. Like guys are getting hammered and let a lot of that stuff go. I think ultimately the league will take a step back and look at how this, these games are being officiated and try to do better. Now, I, I will say this about Adam Silver. He seems very intent upon making the game to be the very best game it can be. And if you feel that way sincerely, you can't allow what you saw over these last seven games to, to happen again. Well, it's a big uh, big summer coming up for the Houston Rockets. The free agency is going to be, I think, the big deal. As mentioned before, Capella's restricted free agent, Ariza, Mbamute, uh, Chris Paul, all unrestricted free agents. Big summer for the Houston Rockets. Disappointing uh, Game 7, but I think overall exciting season. Something a lot to be proud of for Houston fans, and they'll give it another go in 2018-19. Uh, MK, I appreciate you doing this. Thank you for having me on, Dave.